This is episode 14. She's a pop country singer-songwriter that has been named one of women in country's top 21 artists to watch in 2021. Her single, Mercury Rising, has reached nearly 3 million streams on Spotify. So go listen. The single has been featured on CMT as well as notable Spotify playlists. Next from Nashville, Wild Country, Fresh Finds Country, well, and Fresh Finds Country. <laughs> the list goes on. <laughs> This is Tessa. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. So I've done a little bit of research on you. And so I always want to go back to the very, very beginning of where the creation of your artistry begins. So I always like to ask about your earliest memory of music. I, so I'm originally from upstate New York which I know a lot of people are thrown off because I do country. It's kind of like pop infused, but when I say New York, people are very thrown off. Um, But I'm from upstate New York and I actually grew up riding horses. Um, And I remember vividly, my mom always loved like the female country of the nineties and two thousands. So anything from Faith Hill to Shania Twain to Dixie Chicks. I mean, we had every CD. And so we, the barn that we would ride at was, know like a 45 minute drive so we would do that every weekend and throughout the week and so we would always put a cd in and i remember we would for 45 minutes straight every day twice a day we would just sing along to these cds so i that's really like that was the only music i knew when i was younger um and i love it and to this day if you were to like throw in a faith hill cd i know every song which song comes next and every word so, so I guess it stuck with me, and I think that's kind of why I gravitate towards country music. It's just because that's what I grew up on. Have you noticed lately, I feel like it's kind of coming back around this 90s sound that's really influencing a little bit of the country singles that are coming out right now? Absolutely. I think it's the same kind of as my situation where that's what we grew up on, so you can't help but kind of like go back to your roots, if you know what I mean. And I've, I've always loved it. I'm a sucker for country music. I'm a sucker for a story song. I love the writing. I just, I think that's kind of what sets country apart from a lot of other genres is the storytelling and the lyrics. Um, so that's really important to me. And I, I love that during the nineties. So this is also, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Um, yeah. but this is like actually question number three. So I'm going to skip down to this because we are Whoa, <laughs> jumping around. I like it. <laughs> We're getting wild over here. I know. So. The early stages of you coming up as a musician, you fronted a rock band that actually shifted to contemporary country, like kind of shifting genres. Yeah. How did that actually come about? And has that been a little bit of always an influence where you're a little bit of a genre genre bender, so to speak, since you do country and pop, like this little bit of um, an interesting combo of sounds yeah. and genres? Yeah, I definitely think that that's a big part of who I am because I grew up on country, but I love pop and I love rock and I love rap. So I'm really all over the place. And really what happened was, you know, I always loved music. I, you know, just in the beginning of high school, I was like, wow, I could like actually start a band and I can do this as a living. And so I was in high school and I decided I wanted to start a band and I grew up on country. So that's all I knew. So I assumed everybody else listened to it too. And I remember going and wanting to start this band and none of the guys, well, it happened to be guys at the time that I knew, but none of the guys wanted to play country music. They were super into rock. 
just wasn't their thing, which I don't blame them. They didn't grow up on it. Um, so I was like, oh, man, okay, well, they're like, well, we'll do like rock stuff. That's just what we do. I'm like, all right, maybe if I start with that, we can like wean it in. And I think that's what it was. I think just some of them had really been exposed to it because we started playing rock. And I remember my very first gig, we played like Flyleaf, Evanescence, Paramore, Pat Benatar. I mean, it was like heavy. <laughs> and I grew up on like great bills. Like, but it was super fun. Like deep down, I'm will always be a little rock star deep down there. But um, so we started off like that, and they, I mean, we had so much fun. And I said, all right, well, why don't we try throwing a few like contemporary country songs in? And they're like, all right, we, we can try it out. We'll test the water. And so we did. And you know what? They really fell in love with it. And we ended up being one of the first country bands in my area. There really were no other new country band, you know, contemporary country. And so we started touring and we were like, I was in high school. We played four nights a week, five nights a week at every bar, every festival, every fair. It was so much fun. Do you remember what was the contemporary country song that you pitched to them? If there was one that you remember that you were like, this is going to be the one that might tip them over. Yeah. To be honest, I knew that I had to go along the vein of like a little edgier, a little rocky. And I am a huge Miranda Lambert fan. So I, the first one I threw in there was Gunpowder and Lead. Because okay. that gets pretty heavy. I mean, you can't not like that song, even if you're a rocker dude. So when I brought it in, they listened to it. They're like, I think we can do this one. Yeah. <laughs> so even if you watch the music video, I mean, that's very rock and roll. Oh, my gosh. So edgy. I mean, you can tell that she definitely pulled influences from these, like, rock stars of, like, the 80s, the 90s. You know what I mean? So it was kind of an easy way to get them into it. Exactly. Well, and it's funny too. Um, and for the people that are listening that have not watched or watched this music video, um, Miranda Lambert is walking along like a dirt road, carrying a gasoline can and just like doing a trail, dropping a trail of gasoline that she eventually will set on fire that goes back to her cheating, sniffing another's house. And it just explodes. Right. What is more rock and roll than that? Right? It's like, could you get any more? <laughs> Yeah, like cheating, significant others, explosions, fire, like that is. <laughs> and it's also interesting. I do remember when I was, because um, everyone is obsessed with that song. I was doing my research about that music video, and she said that she was channeling. She was on a diet for quite some time, and she was channeling the fact that she was so angry about being on a diet that that is like what kind of got her into that like face in that zone was like I mean she was angry really the emotion that was being portrayed was being hangry yeah exactly she's like that's kind of how I feel when I'm hangry too when I haven't eaten for a little too long I get it I get where she's coming from that's so funny I didn't know that yeah I don't even remember where I read that but I do remember I'm like oh okay yeah so obviously when I'm hangry I look just as good yeah, we're all about to pour some gasoline and light it up. Like, we need a Snickers or something fast. So, since we're talking a little bit about your your upbringing, your connections to 90s country, yeah. the rock and roll, how would you define your relationship with music? You know, it's... It's a, it's like a relate. It's like any relationship, honestly. There's always those highs and there's always those lows, and that's that goes for anything, you know. Whether it's like the songwriting process, which I also have a love hate relationship. I love doing it, but when you're doing it, it can be so frustrating because unlike you know math, there's no right answer. Um, 
we lost you there. There we go. Um, unlike Matt, here we are. <laughs> um, I just like to keep you guessing. Um, <laughs> I mean, unlike math, music, there is no right or wrong answer. So you can write a song and, you know, you can write it in a half an hour and it can be done. Or you can write it and two years later, you're still changing it because there's, there's no right. There's no wrong. And I love that about music, but it can also be very frustrating. Um, and I think the same as far as, especially being like an independent artist, you end up wearing all of these different hats. And that's great because you can make music that's you, you can, you know, you can create who you are as an artist, the sound and your image and your brand. But on the other side of that, you're literally doing that all yourself. So it can kind of wear you down a little bit too. So, I mean, I think it's like anything in life, whether it's, you know, your job or your relationships, it's, there's always this give and take, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. People ask me, you know, I've been asked like, well, if you didn't do music, what would you do? I never thought about that. <laughs> I mean, that's the honest truth. I don't, I honestly don't know. I mean, it's just, it doesn't feel like, it does feel like a job sometimes, but at the same time, it's just what I love. Mm-hmm. So even when I'm not working, I'm working and all my friends do music and I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a passion, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, if you love what you do, then it's not a hundred percent work. Yeah. There are those shitty days, but yeah, if you yeah. love what you do, then it's technically not work. Yeah. Exactly. And that's kind of how I feel. Yeah. So with the songwriting, do you have a particular process or is it one of those things where in the middle of the night, a thought will come to you and you have like a pad of paper next to the bed and you get up and write down the thought or, um, I was reading today this, um, I don't, Casey Musgraves was, is the cover on the cover of Elle magazine. And so, Uh Um, I was reading that article today and she talks about how she got into a fight with a friend and she said, stop, this is really good. I've got to write this down. (laughs) And so I'm like, is it kind of those like day-to-day moments in life or is there like maybe a little bit more of a process that you follow? You know, I think it really depends. I mean, songwriting is not one of those things that's necessarily cut and dry and it's different for everybody. And for me, it's not necessarily always the same process because you're right. Sometimes you'll be you know, in the middle of a conversation. And I think being a musician, you're kind of trained to listen for interesting snippets or song titles or just interesting ideas. Um, so I think it's kind of like inbred in your head that, that, yeah, sometimes that happens where you're having a conversation or you're in the middle of something and you go, stop. Oh, wait, what did you just say? And they're like, ah, and you're like, that's an amazing song title. Just hold on. And you write it down and you kind of write down the thoughts around it and you come back to it. So sometimes it really is as easy as that. And Sometimes there's days where you don't feel motivated and you don't feel inspired, but you have to do it anyway. Cause it's a, like a muscle. The more you do it, the better you get. So it really depends. Um, and then there's days where you sit in the process for me, a lot of the time starts with, um, like a title or an idea. I have an easier time writing to something. Um, but there's days where I just sit on a guitar and I get a little melody and I start with that too. So it's really kind of all over the place and it varies for everybody. Yeah. And so to over to your single that I mentioned mm-hmm. in the intro, Mercury Rising, which is also yeah. the song that I found you. I, and it was like a song recommended to me, I think through Spotify. And I was like, this song is <laughs> like, it, I could not get it out of my head. And it, it was just so good. And it's um, also very funny because I am taking an A&R class through this program, Greater Than. Yeah. And I 
sent them this song and I was like, guys, like you've got to hear this. Like this is, this should be on the fucking radio. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm so flattered. Well, it's also, it's my humble opinion, but you know, I mean, yeah. I, I, I just think it's a great song. I think it should be on the radio. Um, and I will continue to champion this song and we've got to get 3 million. Listen. Let's go, baby. We're like 50,000 away from that. We are so close. Yes. I checked it before we hopped on and it was like, uh, I think 2949. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God, we're so cool. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you're the best. Honestly, that is such a nice, it's so nice to hear other people's feedback because I mean, you probably know this too, is like as a musician, sometimes it's hard to, you know, evaluate your own music because you're so kind of invested in, like I can listen to other people's music and I'm like, wow, I love that song or "Eh, it's not my favorite. But when it's yours, it's really hard to, you know, pick it apart almost. So it is such a great, it's such a nice feeling to hear that people actually really love this music, because I took a really long time. I hadn't released music before. I've been doing this all my life, but for some reason kind of always pushed off releasing because you always feel like you're not ready or you feel like, you know, it's not the right time. But I really, at the end of the day, was like, life is too short. You know, I'm going to put out, I want to put out music that's the most me I could possibly put out. Mm-hmm. So I picked the songs. I mean, I picked through all my songs. I picked the songs that I thought reflected who I am as an artist um, I was, you know, a part of the production process every step along the way. And so it really does feel like a reflection of me. So it's so nice when people say, Hey, we love this song. Mm-hmm. And you touched on something too, is especially with any sort of, um, individual that's in a creative space, <laughs> do you find that perfectionism takes over where you get so caught up on this isn't quite right. I'm not going to release it where to your point you get to I guess the threshold and you're like I, I'm just gonna do this I just have yeah. to release it and see what the what the world thinks of it yeah I mean absolutely like 150 percent um it's it's one of those things like I said there's no cut and dry and there could be no finish I mean you just have to at some point say this is the best me and the best music and the best representation right now so you gotta just put it out you know what I mean and and you'd be surprised that when you put things out that you believe in like that was my biggest goal was I want to put music out that I am 110% behind I don't want to put out a song and I'm like oh well it's kind of me but it's a little more like you know country I just didn't want to make any you know if ands or buts I was like I want to put music out that I'm proud of and you know you do the best you possibly can at the time when you put it out you know what I mean life is too short Exactly. Um, yeah, my, my dad always had a saying, he'd always say, this isn't a dress rehearsal. <laughs> that was always like his saying. Oh, that's yeah. cute. <laughs> so why Mercury Rising then? Like, what is it about this song that you're like, this has to be in, this has to be a single that needs to be released? Yeah, I went into the studio and I ended up cutting four songs and Mercury Rising was one of them. And I think it just pulls from everything I grew up. So I do do country music. But I am from the Northeast, so I do a very different country music than someone, say, from Texas or from Georgia or from Canada. I mean, it's just different. And so I feel like, to me, it's this, like, mesh of country meets pop. And I love, like, I'm a huge, like, ACDC fan also. So I just, I I don't know what it is about, like, heavy rock music, but I just, so it's just, like, this mix of all these things that I love. Mm-hmm. and um, I wanted a nice mix of slow songs and fast songs, and to me, that was just kind of 
that was the one. It just right away when I wrote it, I pictured exactly what the video would be like. I knew what I wanted it to sound like. Um, I had this riff in the title and the chorus and I brought it in and it just kind of fell right out. And so the single that actually comes after Mercury Rising is about the truth. And so that was the second song after that. And so what can you tell us about that single as well? That one actually came first. So I released that one. Oh my gosh. No, no, no. It's so, it, all of this was like during quarantine too. So the whole thing is just, just like, it's just been, I'm the same way. I'm like trying to keep track of my life. Um, yeah, that one was the first one I released and that one was really fun. Um, Around the Truth, I I ended up writing that one by myself and I originally wrote it as a duet, but that's kind of hard to do when it's just me. And it was right before quarantine. So I was like, I'm going to turn this into, you know, just a one person female song. And it was one of those ones where I actually started on piano, wrote it as a duet, and then kind of changed it to be this guitar heavy female song. Mm-hmm. And same thing. Like it, I just, that one was interesting because I wrote it by myself. So there was no, there was sometimes co-writing is nice because you have someone to validate or say like, yeah, that's a good line or no, that's not a good line. And so that one was interesting because there's no one to do that, but you. <laughs> so that one took a little bit longer just because you fight with yourself. You know, is that the right line? Or am I, am I getting it across? Um, but that one was fun too. I just really wanted it to reflect um, it's called dancing around the truth. And, um, I really wanted it to feel like what it was talking about. Like I wanted the song to feel like it was moving and spinning. And, and I think we, we got really close to making that happen. And I'm really happy with that the way it came out. And, and my apologies, I did say about the truth. So we do want to make sure that we around the truth, about the truth, it starts with an A, ends with truth. Well, no, we want to get it right. And I'm going to make sure that I link all of these songs in the blog yeah. so that everybody can get the correct name and actually <laughs> link to the songs because I'm yeah. dumb and wrote about and not around. So I swear I did my research. Oh, <laughs> honestly, it has been a year and a half. So the fact that we're even on this together right now, we're a-okay. Yeah. Well, and you keep touching on a little bit about the, um, the pandemic. And I know that that's still a little bit of a reoccurring theme and thank you for me to not be as prevalent of a conversation starter, but how was your quarantine? It was actually, I mean, it was weird and crazy and everyone was adjusting. I got to spend, there's a lot of silver linings. I got to, I'm from New York. So I got to go back home and visit with my family a bit, which being a touring musician, you don't usually get to do. Mm-hmm. And my sister had a baby, so I got to, you know, see her grow up a bit. And it was actually, like I said, it was, even though it was kind of crazy and stressful and people lost jobs and it was tough, there was also a lot of good things that came out of it. And um, I'm really lucky. I actually released Mercury Rising in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of a tough call because I was supposed to release it a bit sooner. It just felt like not the right time. It felt like the world, there was just so much going on. And I was distracted. You know, I had friends putting music out and usually I, because I'm an artist, I understand what, what it takes to put a song out. So I try and you know, repost it and share it. I just, even I felt distracted. You know, you couldn't turn the news off. You didn't know what was going on. So I waited a while and you know, once things settled down a bit, I was like, I'm going to release it. It just felt like the right time. Yeah. Were you able to do any songwriting or any sort of like have some creative time during that? Yeah. World was slowing down. Yeah, I actually, I had had Mercurizing ready, but I didn't have a music video. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything else prepared. So I actually ended up doing the music video during 
quarantine. And so I ended up making all my own outfits. I ordered and I made my own um, spacesuits. So I bedazzled spacesuits and just, it was actually really fun. Mm-hmm. So it did. I, I definitely had a lot of like artistic outlets. I ended up um, launching a merch line and um, I actually have another line that I'm going to launch a little bit later in the summer, I guess to fall. I did a bunch of jackets too. So yeah, it was, it was fun. It gave me time to do things I don't usually get to do. Mm-hmm. So Tell me about these jackets. I'm like, oh, well, I, you know, I've been wanting to, I'd never put a merch line out either. And I like clothes. I'm not going to lie. I do. I like shoes. I like clothes and they're just fun. You know, you can kind of like put yourself out there. So I decided to make my own merch, do my own jackets. So I did these like denim inspired Mercury Rising space theme jackets, mm-hmm. and they're every single one is unique. They're all different. Um, I did a bunch of bleaching. I did a bunch of stamping. There's some cool like lettering and bedazzlement because I'm all about the rhinestones. So it'll be fun to kind of put that out too. If they're um, again, they're jackets, so I'm going to release that probably August September. But mm-hmm. I'm really excited about that too. Okay, awesome. And do you happen to have any like images or anything up yet that whenever this post comes out, I can like include it for everyone to, to see or? Yeah, I mean, I have, I put, I did t-shirts. So I have a t-shirt line that's out now, so I can send you that. Okay. And then I really haven't put much out about the jackets. You're actually the first to know. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, you got that VIP. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so as soon as I have something together, I'll send it to you and you'll have the first um, sneak peek of that as well. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm so excited because, I mean, jackets are, I think, one of those pieces where no matter where you live, you can always have a jacket thrown over your shoulders at nighttime and... Mm-hmm. I mean, personally speaking, I have a ton of jackets because that's yeah. one accessory that can change an outfit immediately. And 100%. if you have something with like rhinestones on it and <laughs> yeah. bleaching and all these sorts of amazing yeah. features to it, I'm, I'm here for it. And I'm going to need one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Done. Yeah. And I, yeah, that was kind of my thought was like, I wanted to put merch out, but I wanted to put merch out that even if you didn't know who I was as an artist, if you were in a store and you like that kind of thing, you'd be like, hey, it's a cool jacket. And it just so happens to have, you know, Mercury Rising on it or, you know, my logo or something. But I wanted to make something that even if you didn't know who I was, you might still like the jacket. So, yeah, it was fun. Well, and I think that's a really interesting take, too, on, like, merch and, like, clothing that mm-hmm. is um, around you and your brand and your music, where there's a lot of band t-shirts and that's something that I feel like, you know, everyone does, but taking it to the next level of being really thoughtful about it is, I mean, it's very strategic. It's also, I mean, it's super creative, but it's also very strategic in a way where you can't really wear a band t-shirt sometimes to work, but if you have this amazing jacket, then it could wear it to work, you know, and you're rocking merch. Yeah. Well, kind of, that was my thought too, because I try, I try and step back and think about the person that we want to buy or, you know, being a fan of somebody else. And you're right. Sometimes a band shirt is great, but it's a band shirt. There's no like around that, like, you know what it is. And this way it's like, I can kind of put my own flair on it, but it doesn't necessarily scream like, you know, I'm a fan of this person. It's more like, Hey, this is really cool. This is who made it. This is her brand. You know, this is her style and her music. So that was kind of like, 
I thought. Awesome. Okay. Well, we are very excited. We cannot <laughs> wait to see this. Cool. Um, and so you have mentioned several times that you are from New York. I am. So being from New York, living in New York, um, through my research, I did find out that you did work at Saturday Night Live, a I very did. iconic New York show, yes. and you interned for the music department there. And so we have to ask, was there a musician that you met that just blew you away? You had a starstruck moment, a John ground situation. Yeah. There is actually, when you say that there was, there was one in particular that even I didn't, ex I didn't expect to feel that way. Not that I, not that I didn't, I don't know. So I've been there and I um, was there for about a year and then I had left to come back to Nashville because, you know, I do, I do country music and I loved it there, but it just felt this draw to be in Nashville. Mm -hmm. And as hard of a decision that was, I was like, I just, I just feel like I have to do it. I was in my gut. I was like, I'm going to make a move. So I've been here for a bit and they had a 40th anniversary show coming up. And so because they were having a whole bunch of artists, they usually put a person on each team. Mm -hmm. So I actually flew back for it, which was really fun. And I remember getting there and, uh, you know, a couple of the girls I'd worked with when I was there and then there were some new people. And so they started kind of like pairing people up with different artists. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like my friend got this person, this person got like Kanye West. So it was just, they kept dishing them out. And I remember it was getting towards the end and I'm like, I'm the last person. I'm like, gosh, like, who knows? Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't care. Like, it's just, it's a fun experience. Like, whoever it is. And like, all right, Tessa, like, so we're going to put you with the last artist. Um, we're going to have you um, work with um, Paul McCartney and his team. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I, absolutely. Yeah. I'd be happy too. And, you know, you, you learn the Beatles are the Beatles and it's, you know, I, I don't know. Like I just had never thought about this. So I just was like, great. This is an amazing opportunity. So I worked directly with you know, their team and the management and the band members. And I didn't get to spend a whole lot of time with him, but in passing, you know, he's very polite, would say hi, would recognize you, you know, extremely, I mean, humble. And, but I remember during the week you have to go in because they rehearse just like, you know, any show. So they go in earlier in the week and they rehearse. So because I was on this team, they're like, all right, everyone in like, let's, and then they shut the doors. And so there's like, 12 people in this room and the lights are off. They shut off the lights and he walks on stage and he sits down at a piano and just begins to play Imagine. Mm. And I have never in my life experienced something. I mean, the hairs on my arms were just like standing up. It was silent. You could hear a pin drop. It was, it was, it was like, I was literally witnessing history. I mean, you read about it, you see these documentaries, you hear the old so songs, the recordings, but I, he was right there. And it was an audience of 12 people. And it was so intimate. And it was just, it was iconic. Honestly, when you, when you get to see him live, you realize why they are what they are. You know, it was just, it was incredible. And so I, I was, I felt starstruck and I don't usually get like that. And I didn't expect to get like that, but it was just incredible because he's so talented and he was also really kind and really humble and his team I mean they've been working together for years and they love him and they love working together so it was just really cool to see oh my gosh I know as soon as you said Paul McCartney I started sweating I was like 
Oh, I was like, wow. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. A little bit of a curveball. <laughs> so your time at SNL, you know, entering for the music department, you were in the weeds of probably setting things up, probably working with artists. Has any of that experience helped you as an artist now on the other side of it? Oh, absolutely. I, I didn't know what to expect, but that show is incredible. I mean, they start from a Monday to a Saturday and it, they start from scratch. I mean, every script, the musicians are incredible. I mean, you get to see how these musicians work and you realize it's not, it's not a team of one. I mean, there is just their managers and their band members and the backup band and, you know, even the runners that go get stuff. I mean, just, it all functions like this big machine, this big family. And, and you do, you get to kind of learn a little bit of something from each artist and everyone's a little bit different. And it was just, yeah, it was an amazing experience and something I'll never forget. And um, I just feel honored to have been able to do it. So, yeah. And so while you're in New York, you have this time in New York and you mentioned that you kept having this, this pull, this calling to Nashville. Had you had any experience of Nashville prior or what was it that you knew about Nashville that you knew this was the city, this was the location that you knew you needed to be in? It was just one of those things. I'd never been to Nashville, never visited Never saw it. Thought it was a bunch of like wood honky tonks on a dirt road. I'm not kidding. When I drove in, when I drove in, I actually ended up coming. I came once um, before that. I went when I was in college. They did this trip to come down. And I was like, oh yeah, I can see it. I literally thought I was about to like ride up to a bunch of like barn doors and horses out front. <laughs> like I'm not. I sound so like naive, but I really did. Mm-hmm. So when I got here and I realized it was like this cool up and coming city, it was kind of a I mean, it didn't matter to me either way, but it was just kind of like a shock. Mm-hmm. And it's just an incredible place. And I don't know, my whole life, everything in my life, all the good things in my life have come from just doing it. Like I went to college, never, had never been to the city, never visited college, just went, um, moved to New York City, didn't know anybody. I remember like sitting by myself for two weeks. I knew nobody, not a person yeah. before I started the job. So I just feel like throughout my life, that's kind of been like this common theme. Mm-hmm. So when I got the opportunity, I was like, I mean, let's just, let's do this again. No, I don't know anybody. Like, let's go. Yeah. Well, and I mean, sometimes taking risks, you get the biggest rewards from. Yeah. And Nashville gets this, I feel like this reputation of solely about country music. Yeah. And I feel like over the years, it's progressed into just an all over music city mm-hmm. and even country music itself. Like the genre is evolving and changing and so has it also opened up doors for you to work with maybe other people outside of country music that's kind of helped you expand your particular genre of music yeah I mean absolutely it's just I think between New York Nashville and LA it's just this fluid this fluid motion of music and genres and writing styles and I think Nashville's almost become more of a hub for songwriting than a genre I just think it's and if you talk to anyone anywhere I mean that's what we're known for is songwriting whether that's rock or that's country or that's pop I mean that's what Nashville has become and I think you need great songwriters in every genre so there's been this really big you know relationship between Nashville and LA and that's just grown over the years since I've been here I mean a lot of companies now have headquarters here 
have headquarters in LA when they had them here. So yeah, I've actually had a chance to write with a bunch of pop writers and artists and that's, it's, it's fun because you get something completely different that you would get by yourself. You know, that's how you take, create your own styles, kind of like getting outside the box and trying something new and kind of figuring out who you are instead of just trying to be, you know, someone else or a yeah. certain sound, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's definitely pushing you out of your comfort zone because you are oh, working yeah. with people of different backgrounds, different experiences, um, different skill sets. And so it is pushing you to be an even better version of yourself in yeah. as a musician, as a songwriter, all of the above. And is it, when you do these songwriting um, circles or, I, I, wow, I'm like sounding really rookie. I'm like, these get togethers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like co-writing. They just call it co-writing and you get together with the right. Yeah. <laughs> Have you, get togethers, oh my God. So would you say that that is maybe a sole important thing right now that, or just maybe throughout your time in Nashville that has continuously been a constant that's helping you create more, put out more, feel more comfortable in your sound just by being in all of these co-writes and being yeah, exposed to all these different types of individuals. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I just think when I was, when I was coming to Nashville, I knew who I was. I knew who I was enough at the time. But once you're here and you start meeting these people and, and you write with people that you write really well with and you write with people that you're like, eh, it just didn't really, you know, we didn't vibe. It just didn't, it wasn't our thing. Not that it was bad. It's just, you start to find who you work best with. And also I think the biggest thing is finding people that, that pick up the spots that you're not as good at. So if you're a great, you know, lyricist, you don't need three great lyricists in a room. You need someone that's going to, you know, compliment your downfalls, which is not a bad thing, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. You, you start to find who you work well with and it just makes you better. And I always think, I've always said this. I think the only way you get better is to be around people that are great at what they do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so as you're in music city and you are being exposed to new songwriters, have you come across anyone that you're like, I want to give them props or this is someone that everyone needs to be watching out for or somebody that maybe you've just fallen in love with that you are like, this is what I'm loving right now. Yeah. I mean, it's less, it's less to me a specific person, but I actually really like right now that people are starting to go back to story songs Mm -hmm. and songs that are very lyric heavy for a while. It was very like bro country, just kind of like, not down the middle, but just not a whole lot of depth to things. And I think this new kind of wave is coming back to these songs that are really, you know, the song you listen to at the end, you're like, wow. You know, like I just reevaluated, reevaluated my life in a matter of three and a half minutes. So I think it's not necessarily a specific person, but it's more this, you know, coming back to that kind of songwriting. And I've always been a sucker for it and I always will be a sucker for it. So a great song is a great song. Definitely. And so speaking of songs, um, yeah. we have gotten to our last and sad final question. Um, what is your entrance song? And so I'm now saying entrance song of the moment, but okay. it's maybe a song that has always stuck with you, or it could be just a song right now. That's like your 
amp up song. Like this is when you walk into a room or a co-write oh, yeah. or a party or a bar or. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm all about those rock and roll jams. I'm rock and roll train by ACDC. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Any day of the week. Honestly, like in my head, that's what's playing anyway. So like, let's go. But I just, I don't know. There's something about like heavy guitars and just rock and roll that just, I don't know. It always gets me. So rock and roll train is my jam right now. I'd enter any room to that. Yes. Love <laughs> it. So for everyone that's listening, how do we follow you? How do we support you? Give us all of the links. And then okay. once we're done with the links, tell us what's next so we can follow along. Sure. So you can find me everywhere. Um, my music is on every streaming platform. Um, my current single is Mercury Rising. And it's under Tezza, and I'm on Spotify, YouTube, Amazon, Apple Music. It's all under Tezza, Mercury Rising, or Around the Truth. Those are the two singles that are out now. Um, and I'm also all over social media, as all of us artists are. Um, so on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and that's all under Tezza, but my handle is the.tezza. Gotcha. So... If you want to check out my music, I always, I always open it up to people too, that haven't been in Nashville, that just have questions about where to go, what to see, you know, what live music, what's the best barbecue. Send me a message. Awesome. Well, everyone's in your messages. Yeah. If you have any questions. Drop them in my DMs. <laughs> you know, yeah. Drop them in the DMs. Drop them in the DMs. <laughs> and uh, the next thing, the next project is I do have a new single that's going to be coming out. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, the exact date hasn't been determined, but it'll be about, um, a month out or so. Um, and it's going to be called 89 Year Stream. And it is more of a story song. So I'm excited to put it out and there'll be some music videos and that whole shebang. So that'll be coming out in about a month, month and a half. Um, as soon as I know the exact date, I will post it on my social media. So yeah. Awesome. Well, um, any parting words, any final words before we sign off? You know, I'm just really thankful for you and for having me. And I guess just thank you from all of us musicians, because it's such a great thing to have people like you that give us a chance to, you know, express ourselves and get our music out there and just give us a leg up. So I just really want to say thank you to you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I swear I will get your song title right <laughs> Uh, and it's not a get together. It's a co-write. I swear. I sound like an idiot. I like get together. It really is a get together. It really is. Honestly, usually it involves some coffee, hanging out, catching up, and then kind of writing the song. So it really is get together. Oh my Lord. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Tessa. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Thank you.